This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. We are live every morning. You can count on us, man. We are ready to rock and roll with you. Let's do this thing, yo. The Utah Jazz. We have got interesting intrigue and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? The, the funny thing to me is, and, and I could be wrong about this. The funny thing to me is, is that there's a lot of people that are simply sure that the Jazz will not trade Rudy Gobert. Right. And there's a lot of people who are positive they're going to trade Rudy Gobert. We have all the latest details for you on that coming up. Um, This Kyrie Irving story, I think, certainly is significant as well. Live Golf is going to supposedly shock the world today. Supposedly. Mm -hmm. Shock the world today. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. They're going to shock the world today. So we have all the details on that for you. Burger joints are out here killing people. They're out here. No, I can't say that. You don't want to say that. That's live golf. Don't say that. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to do that. Yeah, that's, you know. we're not there. Uh, but we do. what we do have to do is talk Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz right here on the Monty Show. And as we've told you, the Utah Jazz have been for some number of weeks and months trying to trade Rudy Gobert. And the interesting thing is it looks like they have a deal in place if – the Chicago Bulls can make a trade before the NBA draft to acquire draft capital that they can move to the Utah Jazz. So NBA sources last night were telling us the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls have a trade in principle, but the Jazz are close to getting a King's ransom. They absolutely want a first-round pick in this year's NBA draft and a future first-round pick, but the biggest question is, will the Chicago Bulls include Patrick Williams in this trade and Jake my biggest question is should the should the Utah Jazz make this deal without Patrick Williams yeah I think for the Utah Jazz it's a big risk and the reason I say it's a big risk is because the Utah Jazz don't exactly have a storied history in the draft they don't have a great track record of getting big players from the draft um, and seeing those players pan out for them and I think that you know, while yes, that is the past, and while yes, someone else was in control and Dennis Lindsay, uh, it still kind of begs the question. And so, you know, should they make the deal without Patrick Williams? I have a lot of reservations about that. Now, if you said to me, hey, you're going to get a, a, a top 10 first round pick, let's say, and then one more next year, okay, I feel pretty safe in saying that in the top 10 picks in this draft, I can get someone that's a key contributor to our team or someone that could come in and contribute for at least 20 to 30 minutes a night. You know, maybe not uh, maybe not the guy that decides if you win or lose the game, but a guy that can really give you solid minutes. So should they make the deal without Patrick Williams? Only in a very certain and specific criteria would that work, and that, to me, would have to be a top-10 pick. I think you can't make this deal without him. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think when you look at Patrick and you look at what he brings and you look at what the Utah Jazz need – And I think it's very clear they need a perimeter defender. They need a better athlete on the perimeter to help them stop wing wing offenders in this league. The Utah Jazz last year were very clearly weak. I mean, nobody's going to deny 
that the Utah Jazz had issues defending the perimeter. And a big culprit of that was Rudy Gobert. Um, now, obviously, Boyan Bogdanovich is a guy that struggles to defend the perimeter, but you know what I would say about that? Hey, man, if you bring Pat Williams into this team and he's a guy that can can be the guy defending pick and rolls and switches on Boyan Bogdanovich's side, it makes it a whole lot more palatable to have Boyan Bogdanovich out there because, again, I am in the camp that believes that Boyan Bogdanovich can be the third or fourth option on a championship team because he's an elite three-point shooter but again I'm not an NBA general manager and I'm not running the Utah Jazz and I'm telling you right now as as sure as I am sitting here if Pat Williams is not in this deal I don't know that I can make that deal because you just are not going to get better and we've heard all kinds of rumors about this and sources yesterday told me that the Utah Jazz were still pretty adamant about Patrick Williams the problem is the Chicago Bulls, Jake, are far more adamant that they don't want to trade Patrick Williams. Right. And the other name that we've talked about a lot is Io DeSumo, who I know the Bulls don't want to trade. I just don't know if you make a trade with the Bulls, even if you get two first-rounders. My personal opinion is that's not enough to trade Rudy Gobert for two first-round picks. That just doesn't meet the bar for me. Well, and, I mean, obviously you're also getting, you know, Vucevic and you're getting Kobe White. And the, and the thing is, is... When you go and you and you do a deal of this magnitude and you're just getting the first-round picks as opposed to a bona fide like, contributor, somebody who's proven and, and clearly has a lot of upside in his game, there's risk in that. There's no question about it. But also, yeah. I might add that Danny Ainge has a clear ability to draft. I mean, you're talking about a guy who drafted Jason Tatum and went and got Jalen Brown. And that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't surprise me if this deal got done assuming that those two two picks were high-caliber first-round picks. I don't think that if you're Danny Ainge, you're taking a first-round pick that's in the 20s. I don't think that that works for the Utah Jazz, and I think the Utah Jazz need to prioritize that. They need to prioritize making sure that whenever they do this deal, because that's the other side of this. There's a lot of people saying, well, they could bring Rudy back. They're not bringing him back. You don't you don't put this guy in the center of trade talks and in, in the middle of all this fire and, and, and controversy and then try to bring him back. That's not how that works. So to me, he's gone. It's just going to be a matter of what that looks like. So what should they make the deal without Patrick Williams? Ideally, no. But at the same time, they're not in a position exactly to dictate exactly. to all these other teams. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge thing too is we talk about uh, the Utah Jazz trading Rudy Gobert this morning on the show. Um, I think it is one of those deals where you have to ask yourself, well, how much am I going to hold out for? Because I think when you're when you are looking at what the Jazz have versus what the Jazz need, I I just don't see a way that you can. And this is just my opinion. I don't see a way that you can send Rudy Gobert out for Vucevic and two first round picks. I I, I just don't think that works. I also don't think it works to have. Um, you know, a guy like Rudy Gobert go out for Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic. I, that's not value in return. This is the premier defender in the NBA. He's by far the best rim protector in the NBA. And in my opinion, there's real value in that, especially to a team like the Chicago Bulls, who has struggled so mightily to do exactly what Rudy Gobert's done for the Utah Jazz, which is rim protect and close the paint. Now, is he a liability, Rudy, on the perimeter? Yes, he is. I totally understand that. 
the Chicago Bulls have a much deeper level of athleticism compared to the Utah Jazz. You can absorb Rudy Gobert into your defensive scheme um, when you have guys like a Zach Levine, when you have all these other pieces, a DeMar DeRozan, um, a Javante Green, an Ayo DeSumo, a, a, you know, a, an Alex Caruso, who, by the way, I heard yesterday one guy saying that Alex Caruso very well may be um, in this deal, um, that he would certainly be an upgrade. I don't think there's any doubt about yeah, that. I yeah. mean, Alex Caruso brings you a different level of athleticism. Um, and defensive, uh, defensively speaking, if yeah. I could talk today, which yeah, clearly I can't. You know, it's Tuesday. You know, um, well, Monday because we were off. Right. Yesterday. Good point. But, good point. I mean, if it, what is enough from the Bulls? Because I, I still don't know. Is Vucevic, is you know, Kobe White and Alex Caruso with two first round picks? Is that enough? Well, there's a dynamic at play where obviously you know you have to match the money, and so. What's enough, first off, that conversation starts with, all right, we just need to get to a place where the money works, firstly. So Vucevic has to be in the deal, 100%. And then Kobe White probably supplements that to get you equal on money. But then the conversation shifts to, okay, we're equal on money, but now what do we feel like we need to get back to make this deal worth it, to get proper value for an all-star and a three-time defensive player of the year guy? That's the trouble. That's what's holding up the Rudy Gobert process. And, and holding up might be strong. Maybe that's not the right verbiage. I, I think, you know, that's the difficulty in the process, I guess, would be a better way that I'd like to say that. Because at, at the end of the day, nothing is holding up the deal. It's a negotiation, and Danny Ainge simply has to choose how much garbage he wants to take back. And I think whether we're talking about the Herder deal in Atlanta, whether we're talking about Vucevic in Chicago, or whether we're talking about a different deal, Danny Ainge, when it, when it comes down to it, brass tacks, what are you willing to take back to get this contract off your books? And that's simply going to define a number of things. Number yeah. one, it's going to define what you can do after you make this deal, whatever deal you make. Number two, not only is this deal going to define it, but the deals after this deal are going to define how long Donovan Mitchell decides he wants to stay or how he feels coming into this season. And then number three, the deals that you make here, starting with this Gobert deal, are going to define what head coach you want to hire. So Danny Ainge, make no mistake about it, Danny Ainge, not Ryan Smith. Danny Ainge is the one controlling where this team goes and what the next four to five seasons look like for the Utah Jazz. Well, and I, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it, it, this is a huge moment in time for the Utah Jazz. Like, I mean, this, this trade... And this is why I say when we talk about, hey, are two first-round picks enough? It's not. Because don't forget what the other edict is here, and that is the Utah Jazz have said they want to be a playoff team. They want two all-stars supposedly, which, again, my sources at the Jazz tell me isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. They want two all-stars because the, the all-star game is in Salt Lake City. I think their biggest edict now is we've got to stay in the playoffs. And if you trade Rudy Gobert, you you have to get a guy in return that makes you a better defensive team. And in my opinion, the biggest problem on the Utah Jazz has been that they're not very good at perimeter defending. Right. And I think Rudy Gobert is, is a huge problem in pick and rolls. And he tends to drop. We saw that multiple times in the playoffs. We saw that certainly multiple times during the season. Houston comes to mind where you have a guy like Christian Wood – who switches, Rudy Gobert drops into the paint, and Christian Wood hits a game-tying three-pointer. That happened all year long. 
Patrick Williams solves that problem. But if I'm the Chicago Bulls, how how willing am I to give up a guy like Patrick Williams? And the answer is I'm probably not willing to give him up at all. And so what else are you willing to put into that deal? That's what has to be figured out here. Because again, the headline this morning is the Chicago Bulls and the Utah Jazz have a deal made, essentially, that requires the Bulls to go out and get additional draft capital. And from what I understand, the Bulls should be able to do that. If they're able to do that and they're able to trade the Utah Jazz two first-round picks, my guess is that the Utah Jazz, Jake, are not getting Patrick Williams. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really tough. And, and, and again, this is sort of the, hey, well, this deal will be defined by what you make of it in the draft. And that's the thing. Whereas a Jazz fan, I think that you can you can take some some comfort because I the Utah Jazz for so long have just struggled in the draft. They have made mistake after mistake. They've tried to trade trade guys that just are that just didn't work. And and I just think that the Utah Jazz are in a different spot now. You've got a different guy driving the car. You know he should be able to make something out of the draft if he does do that deal. Which again, I'm telling you, is 50-50 at best. I don't. I have to agree. I don't love the prospect of not having Patrick Williams. I think he's a dynamic defender. He does so many things for you. Why would you not like mandate that he's part of the deal? You have you know? to have it, and that's and that's where I that's where I really struggle. So I think you know the draft is Thursday. You're two days from it, or I guess if you count today, three days from it. You know, and and I think that there's a lot there's a lot of work that's got to be done, and you damn well better be ready for that draft. Yeah, I think you have to have him. I do. I, I, I just don't think that it's an option not to have him. Let's get your thoughts. Uh, good morning to everybody. Hey, by the way, again, this is our new setup. So you're, you're noticing if you're a longtime listener of the show or viewer of the show, um, our look is completely different. Uh, so, so is our audio, by the way. Yesterday, we really appreciated that you guys gave us a bunch of feedback talking about how the show sounded, how the show looked, yeah. you know, what you what you were experiencing. Continue to do that because as, as we go through this, this is our second show with this new setup. We're going to tweak the audio. We're going to tweak the way the cameras look because we want it to be comfortable for you. So, hey, is the audio too loud? Is it too soft? Is it perfect? Let us know. Feel free to comment below. So, the Blind Swordsman DS. How the heck are you, man? Good to see you. He says, uh, in the infamous words of Hawkeye, don't give me hope that Gobert is gone. Well, there could be that for certain. Uh, Steve Hambone uh, says, shout out to Salt Lake Regional Medical Center. Just got a new hip and doing fine. And how are the Jazz doing? Well, ask me on Thursday. Right now, they're not doing great. Yet to be determined? Yeah, yet to be determined is probably the proper answer. Yeah, I, I think absolutely yet to be determined. Uh, Neville93 says, uh, good morning, lads. Love the show. Neville, love you. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Leonard Donnan Endelove uh, says, Matt Barnes' reaction to Utah Jersey was so funny. Um, I don't know that anybody's reaction to the Utah jersey was so And fun. I don't know that the organization's real thrilled with the reaction to their jerseys. No, I, I would agree with that. Uh, by the way, he also says, uh, we back, love the show. Thanks for being here. Michael Burton, how the heck are you? No team beating the Warriors next year. Probably all teams should sell up. Well, I think you should absolutely, you know, there, there's no doubt in my mind, you should absolutely be, be building for the future. I mean, the next, if the, if the Warriors showed us anything, yeah. You can build a dynasty over a decade. I mean, they've won four rings in eight years, even with all the KD and the Clay drama and all the Clay injuries. Yes. They've won four rings in eight years. It is a tough thing to do, but you have to start somewhere. 
And trading Rudy Gobert, in my my opinion, is that's where you start but, there. But if you're the Utah Jazz, these are the tough decisions you have to make. You have yeah. to be, for lack of a better word, cold-blooded about it in, 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 in a certain sense because you can't say to yourself, well, this is a three-time defensive player of the year. We can't trade this guy. Well, yeah, you can, and that's why they're going to. And that's why I say anybody you hear right now saying they're not going to trade him, I would not trust that person because I think based on everything we've heard, he is gone. It's just a matter of how they're going to go yes. about it and what that looks like. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Ryan Poole says, hey, guys, Jazz and Ute fan living in D.C. Been watching every day for months. Keep up the good work. What's up, Ryan Poole? Thanks, good to bro. see you. Thank you. Uh, Michael Burton says, uh, Jazz won't be relevant this coming year and any year. Warriors have Curry, Clay, and Trey. See, I think that's an interesting point because yes. I, I actually think there's a lot of people worried that that's the case. Well, well, you got to upgrade the roster, and I think that upgrade starts when you trade Rudy Gobert. That's the thing that I think a lot of people have to understand is that I know that the Jazz fans love Rudy Gobert, They're, and you should. He's a, a fabulous player. But Don and Rudy specifically in this group around them haven't won. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to win a championship more than you want to be a fan of Rudy Gobert? That's the question. Mm. And I think you have to want to win a championship more than you want to wear a Rudy Gobert jersey. I, I, and I, as painful as that might be, and I know how passionate fans are about guys like Don and about guys like Rudy, at some point, change is very, very necessary on this ball club if you're going to win. So I think it is, is and this is just my opinion. Yeah. This is, again, the conversation of why you have to get Patrick Williams in this deal. Yeah. I think because when you're giving away a guy like Rudy Gobert, two first-round picks is not enough. Yeah. And it, it, as huge as that is with – and we're going to talk about Chet Holmgren in the NBA draft here in a minute. But as huge as that is with talents like Chet Holmgren, Jake – I think you need more than two first-round picks. Well, here. and I think the, 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 the distinction so clearly is is that Patrick Williams, you know what you have in him already. He's been on the floor. He's he's fouled guys. He's played defense. He's shown – he's put tape together of elite pick-and-roll space awareness. And I know that sounds really complicated in, in basketball and ease, if you will. But, like, he understands where he is on the floor and where he needs to be and what spots he needs to get to to put himself in the best position possible to be successful. And I cannot emphasize this enough. We're not just talking about what value we should get back for Rudy Gobert if you're the Utah Jazz. We're talking about Donovan Mitchell's career. We're talking about the timeline to at least contend for a championship or, frankly, the timeline with which you're not going to be a postseason team. And I'm telling you right now, if Danny Ainge does this deal and Patrick Williams is not in it, I would have concerns about their ability to make the postseason based on who he is yes. able to go and get in the draft. Yeah, and I, I, I just, again, say the Bulls don't have a whole lot to offer. They don't. And but they have enough. They have enough. They certainly do. They certainly do. And I, and I think it, as, as, you, as you go through this, like I, I think Dustin Flannery makes a really interesting point. Do you think Chicago will offer Caruso or Ball instead of Williams? That is not a trade I'm willing to make. Correct. Caruso and Ball versus Williams is not a trade. That's not They're value. They're not comparable. Yeah, that's not value for the Utah Jazz. I mean, yeah. the problem with Lonzo Ball is that he is always injured. He does not play full season. Yeah, he is battling a knee injury right now. 
that makes him wholly unattainable, in my opinion. Yeah. And I love Alex Caruso, as Jeremy Bolton and everybody else who watches this show daily will tell you. I think I think Alex Caruso's the, the cherry on top of your championship Sunday. He's a guy you want on your team when you need somebody to dive on the floor after a loose ball or hit a key three in the corner. I'm happy to have Alex Caruso there. Right. But I got to have Patrick Williams in this deal to make this deal. I got it's got to happen. Like you know. there's yeah, there's no way around that. In my and that's just, again, that's just me. But I think the the balance that we that we have to find it, it, you know, the balance the Utah Jazz have to find here and this is why I think ultimately they will do this deal with the picks. That's my opinion. We're not hearing that. That's just my opinion. But ultimately why I think it does work out that they do this deal with the picks is because they're not in a position to dictate to the Chicago Bulls or any other team. That is not the position you are in, and you're paying that price because of what Dennis Lindsay did. And so my thing just is, is that if you're Danny Ainge and you want to get active in this draft, you damn well better get this deal done. This deal has to be done so you can operate in the draft, so you, <coughs> so you can start making calls, so you can start having the next conversations. And that's what's troubling to me is like, how long do you sit in this this window where you're going back and forth with the Chicago Bulls on what they're willing to do and, and how this trade is going to be set up? That's what I think is also really valuable here is the time. Because they don't have endless time. You got to get on with making this deal. You got to get on with moving Mike Conley if you can. And then you got to get on with the draft. And then from that point, you got to get on with hiring a head coach. So that's what I'm saying. Rudy's not coming back. Rudy Moving Rudy is not simply an opinion or an option. Moving Rudy is part of a process. He is the linchpin that is your offseason. And that's why it's so important to get him off your books because that's going to free up a lot of flexibility. And, and, and I have to say, as much as I don't trust the prior regimes of the Utah Jazz, this is why Danny Ainge is here. You can trust in Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge's track record speaks for itself. The Boston Celtics did lose in the finals. But they got there, right? If I said to you right here today, hey, yeah, they're going to trade Rudy Gobert, but Donovan Mitchell and this Utah Jazz squad that they build is going to contend for an NBA championship and they're going to make an NBA Finals appearance, I think every Jazz fan would take that because I certainly would. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, 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 think, I think sometimes we as fans, we get emotional about our players and we forget that the ultimate goal is to win a championship. And until we until we remember that, it, it makes it makes it difficult. Uh, James Knight, good morning to you. He says it's counterproductive for the Bulls to give up Patrick Williams, a twenty-year-old number four pick. Well, but if you're adding the arguably the best defensive player in the NBA, a guy who's won a defensive player of the year award three times, and what is your number one weakness in Chicago? You can't rim protect. And how does he play with DeMar and Zach Levine? That's yes. what I think people are excited about. Yeah, totally agree. Michael Burton says uh, the Utah Jazz uh, will do a fire sale because they can't beat the Warriors. There's no such thing as a fire sale. Yeah. I mean, a fire sale is let's trade everything we have and dwell at the bottom of the NBA. And I, I that's, simply... That's some Sacramento Kings behavior. We don't need that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Rudy Sanchez... The Jazz can turn those picks into another player as well as being traded out of the draft. I mean, it'd be nice if you if you got two first round picks. But again, I just don't think that you can that you can you can get those picks and not get a star player in return. Well, and I just don't think that that you're operating. I, well, like I I think it's a pretty safe assumption 
to make that they're not operating with the concept of, hey, we're going to get picks to try and make something else happen. That's right. This is Rudy Gobert, bro. Like, as much as I'm not a Rudy guy, you're talking about a player who's a three-time defensive player of the year and clearly on his own is worth wins. It didn't work out in Quinn's system. It didn't work out with Donovan Mitchell. That doesn't mean that Rudy sucks. Rudy has a ton of value. So it's not you're not operating from the standpoint of, hey, I just want picks and, and a couple of uh, odds and ends for Rudy Gobert. That's not good enough. That's why I agree with you. Patrick Williams does have to be in this deal, but I just don't think Danny's got enough leverage to make that happen. Well, we're going to find out. I mean, I, I, I think we, we're going to find out because – there's a lot of people. Dante May says Patrick Williams are no deal. I don't give a flying firefly. Right. I, that's a direct I, the flying. Right. Fire, right. All gas. No. Break. Right. Yeah, I think that's Full what that, the flying firefly. Right. And stuff. Right. I don't know. I, I think the bottom line on this is I don't think you can make this deal without Patrick Williams. But you're going to get to a point where you're not going to have a choice at some point in this offseason. Like you need to. Do we understand they can't wait till like August to trade Rudy Gobert? We get that, right? Like, there's not a scenario where you're gonna sit here and just put your hands under your butt on the chair and like just wait. That's not gonna work. Like, like they don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I understand the sentiment, and I even agree with it to the to the comments. Or hey, no Pat Williams, no deal. Yes, I agree with that sentiment, and I would love for that to be the case. But it's just simply not the case. You're not. It's just not yeah. how it works. Yeah, no, I and I, I think no matter what you do here, you you cannot miss on this trade. And the thing that I keep going back to with the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls for that matter, where you are, it, you're at such a critical tipping point. Like if you look at the Chicago Bulls, you're coming off of easily your best season in a decade. You're relevant again. You have a player in Zach Levine that is is in line for a max contract that you're going to do everything you can do to return him to the fold. DeMar DeRozan is one of the best stories in the NBA last year, but you were terrible on defense. The reason you didn't advance further in the playoffs is because you couldn't stop anybody. You bring in the stopper at the rim, now all of a sudden you bring a different component. Whereas with the Jazz, you're at your ceiling. You're maxed with this group of players. Significant change is required. And by the way, not to be redundant, the Utah Jazz need a win in a bad, bad way. And I don't yes. mean on the floor. I just mean off the floor. With the, the debacle that was the uniforms, the, the multiple year after year, losing early in the playoffs, disappointment, Don's going everywhere but Salt Lake City, you need a win. And this Rudy Gobert trade is the best right now opportunity for you to get a win. Because as we've been reporting for six months now, this team is all in on Donovan Mitchell. They're going to build this team around him to suit his strengths. Whether that's trading Rudy Gobert, whether that's hiring a head coach, they're going to do everything that they can do to placate and keep Donovan Mitchell happy and give him the best opportunity to thrive, Jake. And I think that's exactly what they should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say all this nonsense that I'm hearing uh, you know, from the local media and on Twitter and nationally about how you know the Utah Jazz have the option of bringing him back. They don't have to trade, like, quote, Quote, they don't have to trade Rudy. Yes, they do. It is not optional. If you don't trade Rudy Gobert, you're going to have more issues this summer. By the way, any you sent this to me last night. Anybody see Rudy Gobert's Instagram lately? Yeah, I, I, I didn't see any Utah Jazz references on there anymore. 
So yeah, he knows. He, he took it off of his Twitter and Instagram last night. He knows. So. Yeah, we'll see. It's it, it is. This is unfortunately the most difficult part of the uh, of the equation. I mean, it, it it just is what it is. Yeah. This is this is how business is done in the NBA. Right. Let's run through some of your comments here. You can see um, that we're able to put your comments on the screen now because of technology and, and upgrades stuff, and stuff. You know, after today's show, the only way that you'll be able to get your comment on the screen is by leaving us a tip. Um, which you can do at the bottom of the screen here on YouTube. You'll notice a little dollar sign. Click that dollar sign. Donate a dollar, a hundred dollars. Really, we're looking for million dollar donations. Your entire savings account. Yeah, if it's you fine. could, if you could sell the house and uh, tip us your equity. Yeah. Don't do that. That that would be dumb. That would be very dumb. Uh, Alex says, "Do you guys think Mitchell is good enough, a good enough playmaker to start at point?" I don't know. I don't think that you have. I don't think you want Donovan Mitchell on the on the ball. Mm-hmm. I think you want a point guard that can handle the ball on a on a possession in possession out basis. That's why, in theory, a guy like Lonzo Ball works well because it'd be nice um, to have Lonzo Ball bringing the ball up every time and Don off the ball. We saw this with Mike Conley. Frankly, we saw this with Joe Ingles when he was here. When Donovan Mitchell's off the ball, he's a far more effective player. Um, does that change if Donovan comes back with a lethal mid-range game? Yeah, yeah, it probably does. It probably does. But I want Don, right now, I want Donovan Mitchell off the ball. Um, and if that's Mike Conley or who, whoever winds up being your, 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 your point guard this year, hey, that's great. I think you need, I think you need ball generals in, in, in depth on this team. I don't think you have – Mike Conley's not a, a, a starting point guard anymore in this league, in my opinion. Um, Jordan Clarkson's not a, a point guard. Like, this is the Jared Butler conversation for the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. You need a guy that can be an on-the-ball general. Jared Butler was drafted to be that guy. Now you got to develop him into that guy. But, no, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want Don on the ball. I really don't. Well, and the problem I mean, for Donovan Mitchell is he's not 6'6", six, six, right? He's like 6'1", six, 6'2", six, I think. Somewhere in that range. Thick so as like, hell. So, so dude is built like a point guard, but has the, the tenacity and scoring ability of a shooting guard. And, and, yeah. and while while the while the league, you know, obviously is positionless, as they say, I do think that Donovan Mitchell's highest best use is <coughs> is off the ball, uh, being fed and put in positions to score. And I'm telling you, right now we haven't even scratched the surface on Donovan Mitchell's ability, and that's because there hasn't been a roster put around him that really like highlights his talents and puts him in prime positions to score. Now, that said, I think that once he is put in that position, and I hope that's this season, but definitely next season, um, once that happens, there's no excuses for Donovan Mitchell. The Donovan Mitchell is a superstar train or train will be decided once that happens because I think he's got a lot of proving to do. I think he can be a superstar in this league, but I think he needs to show that. He needs to show that he can lead a team. That's one of the biggest problems for Donovan Mitchell right now. I need to see that he has matured enough to lead a team through the good and through the bad. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and I I think that's 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 a very interesting question. You know, I, I just, I wonder how it turns out. Jay Watkins, good morning to you. He says, Vooch, Kobe, plus multiple picks, um, plus the 18th pick. I don't know. I, I mean, the Bulls don't have draft capital. I mean, their their future picks are leveraged. And Danny Ainge wants a first-round pick this year for Rudy Gobert, which I'd be asking for as well. Um, I think the Bulls are going to have to flip that 18th pick to get multiple picks. 
to make this deal with 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 the Utah Jazz, in my opinion. So um, I think that's the only way you make that happen. Uh, Brandon White says, good morning to you. My friend Bull Suck, he says, we tell them what we want or they get nothing. Well, the problem with that is, is you like that just doesn't work. See what I mean? Like, that's and just, I don't think the Bulls suck. I think they like what were they last year? Forty-six and thirty-six. The Bulls are just as good as are, are equal to the Jazz. There's yeah. not they're yes. not a lesser team. They they in some in some instances are better than the Utah Jazz. Like they like Demar Derozan is a better scoring option than than Donovan Mitchell in my opinion. Zach Levine is superior to any other secondary player that the that the Utah Jazz have. So I just think that that right now the Jazz again are not in a position to say take it or leave it. That's not the position that they're in. They're in the position of they need to work with teams to get a deal done. Yeah, and I, I think the Bulls very clearly last year had one of the best years that they've had Yeah, again in a decade. So this was a resurgent year for them. But this is a team that faltered late, and they very clearly had an Achilles heel, which is rim protection and defense. And I think if you plug, if you swap Rudy Gobert for Nikola Vucevic, this is a very different team. Yeah. This is a very different team. And if you keep Patrick Williams and Rudy Gobert, now this is a really good defensive team. What do you have to give up? Are you giving up Alex Caruso? He was a key piece of your puzzle last year. One of the reasons the Bulls faltered is when Caruso got, you know, that broken wrist. and He got Grayson Allen. Yeah, I mean, he got Grayson Allen yeah. and stuff. But the, the bottom line is I think you're just in a situation where you got to figure out, you got to figure out, you know, what you're doing with, with Rudy. You got to figure out how much you value him and what you need. That, that, that to me is, is a bigger thing. All right. One other thing I want to add into this conversation is the Kyrie Irving conundrum. Right. The conversation with Kyrie Irving because we broke the news on the show yesterday that Kyrie Irving and the Nets have essentially said, hey, no, F you. No, no, sir, F you. And they're moving on from each other. So Kyrie Irving is readily available. Um, NBA sources told me yesterday that Kyrie's preferred destinations are the LA Lakers and the Miami Heat. The problem is both of those teams trading while they're over the, the luxury tax, would hard cap them, which means under no circumstances could they add salary. So what would have to happen is, instead of doing a sign-in trade, which is what would hard cap the Heat and the Lakers, Kyrie Irving's going to have to bite the bullet and take the one year he has left at $36 million and find himself a trade to another team, whether that's L.A., Miami, or another. He's got to find a way to make that deal happen. And the debate is, how much of a headache is Kyrie Irving, and is he worth it? And Jake, you say unequivocally, you don't think he's worth it. Yeah, he's not worth it. He hasn't shown the ability to win on his own. And I think the problem is, is that, you know, the last time he did anything of significance in the league, um, as far as any of these teams that he would want to go to are concerned, was with LeBron. Now, obviously, people are going to say, well, LeBron's a Laker. Why wouldn't why wouldn't they team up? Well, sure, they could team up, and I do think that good things would happen. I think that, you know, they've shown that they can work together. They've shown they've won a championship together. Okay, cool. Put the formula back together, and theoretically, you should be a championship contender. I agree with that one team, but if you're the Utah Jazz, if you're the Miami Heat, if you're any of these other teams that are looking at Kyrie Irving, this guy's missed more. I think it's like 123 games he's missed over the last couple of seasons. Now, again, that thing we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube happened, and so he was out, and, you know, he's got a lot of personal stuff that he brings to the table that I would just like to call baggage. He, like, whatever it is that prevents you from playing as a person, that's baggage. He's got a lot of that, and that's why I say for 99% of the league, he's not a good option. By the way, 
You know, everyone says, oh, well, he loves his teammates. Well, whether it's his teammates or he's not in tune with his front office, he's a pain in the ass to have on your team. And that's why I would not have Kyrie Irving on my team. Well, thankfully, you're not the one running the Lakers or the Heat. Yeah, Because I actually think he's worth it. Mm -hmm. So let's get comments rolling on Kyrie. If you're just tuning into the show this morning, thank you so much for being here. Uh, We're talking about uh, the the Utah Jazz trading Rudy Gobert. Uh, The latest news on that and the latest details are that the Bulls and the Jazz have um, the details of a trade worked out, but it's going to require multiple draft picks coming from Chicago to Utah, which means the Chicago Bulls will likely have to trade that number 18 pick to acquire multiple picks to make this deal with the Jazz happen. And the question we've debated this morning is, what is value in return for the Chicago Bulls and for the Utah Jazz? Very clearly, the Jazz would like Patrick Williams. I think the Chicago Bulls would like to include two first-round picks, including a pick this year in the first round, and they would like to keep Patrick Williams. I don't see a trade scenario where the the Jazz could make that deal and get value. Do you? Because I I also don't know, and one of our commenters this morning um, is asking a, a a very interesting question. Who's the better player in the future, Hullabilly wants to know. Io DeSumo or Jared Butler? Io DeSumo. Well, right now, wouldn't you have to say it's Io DeSumo? I I just don't think if you're the Utah Jazz, you can take that risk. You've shown zero ability over the last decade to develop anybody. Donovan Mitchell has developed himself. Rudy Gobert hasn't developed really at all. He's always been a natural, gifted defender. And what else has really developed? Because it wasn't, it wasn't the jumper. It wasn't anything really offensively. Like, there's not been clear development for these guys as far as the Jazz are concerned. So that's why I say I don't think that I, I don't think that you can, if you're Danny Ainge, can sit here and say, yeah, we're all of a sudden just going to start developing guys. Because if that was the case, you wouldn't need to ask for Io DeSumo, or you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't feel the need to get that guy. You'd go in the draft. You'd get this deal done, and you would turn whatever yeah. you got out of the draft into a contributor. And look, I, you know, I, I, as many of you know, I'm a huge Chicago Bulls fan. Like I grew up in Chicago. Um, you know, if you look behind us, we have the Mike Gatorade poster. Like, I mean, Io DeSumo is a quality young player in this league. Yeah. But Io DeSumo is also a Chicago kid. Io DeSumo is a University of Illinois alum. Like, this is a Chicago guy. Yeah. And he showed his three-point shooting got better last year. His Every game he played, Io DeSumo is a guy that the Bulls value at a high level. The Bulls, I think, know they need to add Rudy Gobert. I would just be surprised if they're willing to do Patrick Williams and or Io DeSumo. I, I, I just, with where they were last year, I, I would just be really surprised by that. I Io mean, DeSumo was a key contributor for them. Make no mistake yes, he about was. it. I mean, he, that, you just, I wouldn't want to move him either. Patrick Williams, on the other hand, I think is it's viable to move him because you're getting Rudy Gobert. That is a, and, and you know, I want to be specific. The reason that they can bring on Rudy and, not, and, and be okay with losing Patrick Williams is because you have other guys who play good defense. I mean, DeMar plays solid defense. Zach typically plays solid defense. The issue that I have with Zach is he hasn't stayed healthy. That's the problem with Zach Levine. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like These all come down to preferences and choices. So for me, I would make the deal if I was the Bulls. If I was the Jazz, I would not make the deal if it was just picks because I don't – I like. Like, the Celtics developed Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. 
But how long did that take? And this is, I think, a really important point in these conversations we're having this morning. How long have we been watching Jalen and Jason struggle to get to the NBA Finals? What, is it, what has it been, four seasons now? I think probably three, four seasons that they've been working together, trying to make it happen. You know, in, in Tatum's rookie year, he posterizes LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. So these guys were showing ability, and it just took time to develop. Danny Ainge isn't in that position. The stated goal, once again, is to be a postseason contender. Yeah, but I, I think the other issue for Chicago is they don't have power forward depth. I mean, their one power forward on this roster is Patrick Williams. And I think when you look at the other bigs that they run right now, I mean, you look at Vucevic, obviously, we know how soft he is. You look at Derek Jones Jr., he's not really a power forward. He's more of a three than he is even a five or a four. Um, you know, Tony Bradley's a big, but, like, they don't have another power forward on this team. Yeah, That's why I also think it's interesting. Boyan Bogdanovich has to have value to them. He has to have value to them. He, If you traded Boyan Bogdanovich in this deal to Chicago, and I don't know what it would take to make the money work there, but if you were able to do that, and I'm not saying they will, that has real value to the Chicago Bulls because they don't have a guy of that ilk, right? But I still maintain a third team is the best option in this deal yeah. because the Bulls have needs. The Bulls are light up front. Like, I mean, you're talking about Tristan Thompson probably being your best center option. If you trade Vooch, yeah. I think your best center option is Tony Bradley and Tristan Thompson. Yeah. I mean, so obviously you have to have Rudy Gobert. Like, this, that's the only reason you make this trade from the Chicago side. Yeah. But you still have issues at power forward. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't solve all their needs one way or the other. Even if you keep Patrick Williams, he's the only guy you got. Like, you know, at well, that position. And so, I, I don't know, man. I just think that... That Danny $41 Ainge, million dollars becomes a ball breaker. It does for anybody. But but the fact is, is that, again, the trouble is Danny Ainge isn't in, in a position to dictate to these teams. And, and I think that ultimately is why they will do the deal with the picks. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it'll be really interesting to see where this deal ends up. Um, I also think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what happens at the top of this draft. Because, I, you know, like I just – there are so many teams out there. Like I think one round left makes a really good point. Um, I really hope the Jazz go with Atlanta. Apparently, they are the most aggressive team right now in the trade market. The Atlanta Hawks are really trying to make a deal. Yeah. The problem is, in a Rudy Gobert scenario, the Atlanta Hawks have made it pretty clear that you're going to have to take Clint Capella and John Collins, which brings you more problems. Yeah. And they're not willing to include DeAndre Hunter in that deal. That's not a deal. I mean, if if they truly want the Utah Jazz to take Kevin Herter and they want the Utah Jazz to take Clint Capella and they want the Utah Jazz to take John Collins, that's not a trade. That's not a deal that makes sense for to the me, Utah though, Jazz. I think it we've just seen, doesn't. We've seen a lot of noise about John Collins going places in the league as far as like other teams. Like yesterday there was a report about the Kings being interested in John Collins. So I think if you're if you're the Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge, I think you're sitting here saying, okay, Maybe we drop the John Collins request, but let's prioritize DeAndre Hunter then because if I'm not getting John Collins, then I definitely have to have DeAndre Hunter. That's not even a – that ain't even a conversation I've, in, in my opinion. So that – but do you see what I'm saying? Like as we go through all these trade scenarios, do you see what's the trend that's happening here? Hey, you have Rudy Gobert. Hey, you, you're locked on money. Hey, you don't have picks. So here's what we're willing to give you, take it or leave it. It's coming back to the Jazz 
that way. Like, the Jazz are not saying, we've got Rudy, this is what we want, take it or leave it. That's not the flow of, of, of conversation. No, but I, but I also think when, when you look at when you look at the Atlanta deal is just so much more complex. But I don't think I mean, it has to be, though. That's the thing. I don't think it has to be. If you, uh, but again, value is the thing. I, I want nothing to do with Clint Capella. I mean, honestly, and I know we've talked about this deal at depth last week on the show. I mean, we're the first ones that had it, frankly. So we've been looking at it a lot longer than most. Clint Capella is not valued. But to Capella me. versus I Bush. just, I, I, well, I mean, I would rather have Vucevic. I, I, I think he brings you more offensively, and I, I know that I know that we're talking about you know the value of Rudy Gobert, and I know that we're talking about how close the Jazz are to making that deal. Yeah, but to me, Clint Capella, he's a known entity. I know what Clint Capella is. I know that he is a huge money guy that gives you a little bit here and a little bit there. John Collins is a is a guy that can jump out of the gym. He can rim protect and he can shoot the three a little bit. He's a really good rebounder. He's an athlete. He can defend three positions. Like, I like John Collins a hell of a lot more than I like Clint Capella. Y'all feel me? Like, but I am not, in my opinion, I'm not willing to take back three contracts that are longer in term, that handicap you, that don't give you flexibility, that don't allow you to get better as a team. Like, and I look at Kevin Herter, and Kevin's a nice player. He's a nice player. But I feel like Kevin's pretty much at his ceiling, and he's going into a deal that I think is four years and is averaging like $19 million a year. That's not a smart acquisition for the Utah Jazz. Four years, $65 million deal, once again escalating on the deal. This year yeah. it's 14 and a half. Next year it's 15 and a half. The year after it's 16.8. The following year, which would be, uh, be 25-26 to 17.9. I can't see doing that. That, that I mean, it, and you got to take Clint Capella, but, but I'm but not willing to do the other that. side of this conversation. And I don't disagree. I, I'm not arguing that point. I agree with you on that. But I think the other thing that we haven't mentioned here is age of player. That's the other thing we're not talking no. about. Yeah, Kevin Herter is only 23 years old, and the guy clearly you don't get paid that kind of money without performing on some level. But I do agree. He's that guy. That is a, a shoot-first guy, like a three-and-a-little-bit-of-D guy, not like a three-and-lock-you-up defense guy. Yeah. So, you know, he's trending more Duncan Robinson than Boyan Bogdanovich, and that's the concern that I would have. But I, but I have to say, the Capella versus Vooch thing, I think, is super dynamic and a super good conversation because both of them, in my opinion, are known commodities, as you were saying about Capella. We know what Vuce is. Yeah. We know what Capella is. We know they have strength and weaknesses. Yeah. Yes. And we also know that Capella was a savage in Houston with one guy, and that's James Harden. Their pick-and-roll chemistry, just those two, Capella was really good. I can't say the same about the, him being with the Jazz. I don't know that that works that way. Well, and I, I also think C Capella brings you, you know, he can play a little defense. He's a really good rebounder. But, I mean, they both are. Yeah. I think when you look at the Vucevic versus Clint Capella conversation is an interesting one. It's fascinating. I mean, it, because they both do very different things. Yeah. I mean, Nikola Vucevic just does not defend. I mean, yeah. he is not somebody you want in a defensive set. Clint Capella can give you a little scoring, but he isn't a shooter. He's not the shooter that Vucevic is. Yep. So I guess it just depends. What are you prioritizing? Do you want to space the floor? Or do you want a guy that's going to protect the paint? And, and what is it? If you make the Bulls deal, what does that mean for, for Hassan Whiteside? 
I mean, I think that means you got to value Hassan Whiteside a little more. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that no matter what deal you make, whether it is Capella you get back or whether you get Vucevic back, either way, one way or the other, Hassan Whiteside is still going to get plenty of minutes because neither one of these guys is what Rudy Gobert was. You know, and by the way, it should also be said that Quinn was taking Rudy out, you know, seven minutes into the game a lot of nights. Like, like Hassan was getting plenty of minutes. So that's why I say, like, Either way, it's still going to be center by committee on this team. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, and I think one of the more interesting comments is this one right here um, from Tanner Plummer and the okay. Jazz get D'Angelo Russell, right, Alex? Because Alex said, get Minnesota involved to take Capella because one of the things we know is that the Minnesota Timberwolves would like to add Clint Capella. Um, and I actually think that would be a good add for them. And they want to move D'Angelo Russell. I, don't, I think D'Angelo's a really good fit in Utah. I yeah. mean, it, obviously he's a three point guy. He's a versatile guy that can create his own shot. He can bring a lot of weapons to you offensively and he's actually not awful defensively he creates space. So for Don. he does create space for Donovan. I, I agree with that. So I think, yeah, I absolutely would agree with that, that if you can get Minnesota involved, that'd be great. I mean, and I know that the, the jazz T wolves and Celtics were talking last year uh, when the when the whole Marcus Smart thing was happening, but the Jazz weren't able to get that deal done, so there there is likely an open line of communication there. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see where all this hashes out, because I think this is a very complex trade to make. But you know, uh, Tanner Plummer also says I hate to be a complainer. Complain. So here please. comes the complaint. Please. He says the video now looks too bright. Okay. Sorry, but you asked for feedback on how the setup looks. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're reading that, though. My God. Hey guys. Hey guys. Well, Tanner yesterday said it wasn't bright enough. Yeah, we're trying to find. So we're, it's it's just it's trial and error for us. You know, we're, we're it, it's like, as he said earlier in the show, this is our second show with the new setup. So a lot of this is trial and error. I am happy to hear that we're not getting audio complaints, which tells me that we were able to figure that out on some level. But I would love to know how the audio sounds today versus yesterday for people who listened yesterday. Yeah, you know. Uh, Tanner also has breaking news now. Oh, well, well. Uh, Woj tweeted this a few minutes ago. Nicholas Batum. Batum goes to Dynamite. Yeah. Batum goes to Dynamite. Right. I see what he did there. He, Boom and Batum and, you know, and, and it all kind of works together. You know, uh, he is, uh, he's opted out of his deal, but he is expected to go back to the L.A. Clippers. Yeah, they need to restructure his deal for money yeah. purposes. Yep, I would agree. One round left says we're more than likely going to have to bring back Whiteside if we acquire Vucevic. Somebody may throw him a mid-level exception this summer, though. I think he's just such a mercurial figure. Like, I don't think we have any idea what he and, is. And that's the other thing, too. And then we should probably move on. But, like, because, you know, we got to get to Kyrie and stuff. But, like, you know, that's the other thing you got to consider. This deal and the deals that they make, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here long term. You know, the Vuceviches of the world, these are transactional players. These are not guys that you're building some championship club around. You know, yeah, these are agree. guys that are just going to be here for a cup of coffee. You're going to move on from them. And it, and it ultimately, that's what I'm saying. This first deal is huge. He's not coming back, bro. You need to move him. He ain't him, coming back. And then hopefully with what deal you're able to make, it, it gives you breathing space to make another deal out of that one. Yeah, you need to make the Rudy deal. Yeah, it's you, gotta happen. You, you have to yeah. do that. All right, let's talk NBA draft because I think this is a big part of this. Chaboy! Yeah. You're a huge Chet Holmgren guy. I am. Big believer. Like, you're... Big believer. That's a slurp fest for It you. is. It is absolutely a uh, slurpathon. Yeah, yeah. Slurping it up, man. Why? 
The guy weighs like 37 pounds. Seems like a great opportunity to slip and splash. Yeah, man. Guy can get buckets. Wow. He can get buckets. What is it that you like about him? I like that he's I like that he's a seven footer. He's not six ten. He's seven feet tall, as listed. Um, I like that he has a good feel for the game, meaning that he's not taking terrible shots. Like he understands how to work to get a good shot for himself. I do think that, you know, if we're directly comparing him to Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is is more athletic than Chet Holmgren was at the same age. Kevin Durant had uh, more shooting ability than Chet has at the same age. Like, I think that Kevin Durant was just further along than Chet is currently. That said, I still think that Chet Holmgren has a lot of flashes of what Kevin was at that age, meaning a really wiry, thin-framed guy. You know, this guy's 7 feet tall. He's 195 pounds, so he's not a real thick guy. He is He is wiry tall skinny dude who needs to lift weights and I'm not even joking the guy has got to put muscle on and my biggest concern with Chet is that he is going to pick up that major injury in his rookie year because he is so slight because he hasn't played against full grown-ass men in the NBA who are strong and have been lifting and are and are just bulls you know that's a different beast so I like him mainly because he can shoot the basketball at a really high level that's what I like about Chet what I would say is, and the reason I'm a Jabari Smith guy, uh, is because I think Jabari's ready to play defense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest concern about Chet Holmgren is I, I just don't see that Chet's a guy who's built to play NBA basketball right now today. I think you put a 6'10 Jabari Smith on the floor in Orlando, and he makes a lot of sense. Obviously, he brings a wide skill set, but he can defend, you know, really two, three, four, and some people believe that he can defend point. In this league, I don't want Jabari Smith defending Trey, Trey Young. I don't want him, but he can defend a guy like a Luka Doncic, right? Luka's probably going to get the better of that matchup, but Jabari can compete, and that's what I like about him. He's more NBA-ready than Chet, and let's be honest. Chet Holmgren, my bro, let's get you some fettuccine. Let's get you into the <laughs> weight room. Can, can we get some Olymp- Olympic lifting? Lift? Yeah, do you even lift? Like, Chet, we need to get some muscle on that body. Obviously man. not. And and I, I don't think it's crazy to compare him to Kevin Durant. I, I, I don't compare anybody to KD. Chet Holmgren can shoot. He's got a bit of a handle, more than a bit of a handle. The guy, I mean, the guy can move the ball. Um, but how does he score at the rim in this league? That's the biggest question. I don't, but I don't think question. he's going to be that guy. I don't think he's going to be Mr. at the rim. I think he is a well, mid-range sniper guy. I think that he's, he's – and there's not a lot of comparables because he is – seven foot but I like I think you know not that he is anything like Dirk was but I think that when you think about Dirk's game like but do you you hear the names you're throwing out there dude I don't I don't think you understand how how clean this guy's shot is how capable he is of of scoring and at the rate that he can I agree with you uh, Jabari Smith is definitely definitely the better guy like I I don't Chad Holmgren is listed Listed at 196 pounds. Yeah. I mean, watching him in conference this year, I mean, that's generous. I mean, he must have, that guy must have like boulders in his pocket when he's taken that weight. I'm just telling he's you, He's not 200 pounds. I'm just pounds. telling you, when anytime you've got a guy that can handle and can shoot, yes, he needs to lift weights. I've said that repeatedly over the last five minutes. He does need to strengthen his body. He doesn't have an NBA body right this second. But what he is, a seven feet tall, and you can't teach that. You can't teach length. You can't teach height. So if he puts on weight, he's going to be able to get to spots. And that's what I'm saying. Like, he is not going to be posterized, you guy. He is going to be 
elbow jumper, three-point guy. That's what he's going to do. Yeah. The, some of the comments are funny, like Tanner Plummer saying, what is it with Jake with tall, slender basketball players? I don't know. TPG says the next. What is it? What is it with jazz fans with guys who are six one and are trying to be superstars? Okay, here we go. What is it? Here we I want to ask that question. If I like tall, slim guys, what is it with jazz fans and in six one guys? Like, Come on, you man. know what I mean? I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You can't teach seven feet tall, bro. Oh my god! You can't teach it. Well, if Chet starts to switch teams in order to chase a ring, then we can compare him to KD Tanner. Says. Y'all feel me? I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree, as I've said. Oh, but he is a ring chaser. It's true. That is a kick in the bag to your boy, Kevin it's Durant. It's true, though. He's look, not look wrong. At, look at your boy. Look at your boy over do, your shoulder, do man. Dude ain't wrong, man. This dude's a ring chaser. We all know that. We know that, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, we know that. That was savage. Yeah, we know that. Savage. James Knight says, come on, Jake. You're losing cred with this take, bro. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> You always say that. That's what I love. Everyone always says, oh, you're losing credibility. Oh. You guys hate Rudy Gobert. You guys don't know what you're talking about. And then, by the way, Chet Homer is going to roll out with 20 in his rookie season, and everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, he can play. Chet's going to play at number seven, and he's never going to look back. Yeah, he can play. Yeah, I know he Get can play, guy. I know he can play. Get out of here. I mean, and by the way, if we're seriously talking about – what um. Uh, let's see. Uh, where, where is he? Jaden Ivy is who I'm looking for. Yeah. Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Mm. How many people have a boner over Jaden Ivy? Like this is a guy that it seems like, and if I'm Sacramento at number four, I'm trading out because everybody and their brother wants Jaden Ivy. Uh-huh. So, Hey, give me multiple picks and I'll turn those guys in the stars. Well, it's Sacramento. So you don't turn guys in the stars, <laughs> but the point is, Jaden Ivey might be the hottest guy in the league right now yeah. as far as the draft goes. Yeah, I mean, this draft has a ton of talent. That's why I say if you're the Utah Jazz, getting draft capital, specifically top 10 draft capital in the first round, is very valuable. The problem is, is I don't trust that they can develop these guys. That's the issue. Boncaro or Holmgren? Uh, Boncaro. He's more ready now. Well, it depends on the team. I mean, if if you're if you're talking about Houston. a team that, Houston yeah, I mean, at if number three. If you're Houston, I think you want, you want Boncaro. But I think if you're... You know, I, I think it, specifically if you're an Eastern Conference team, I think Chet's pretty attractive. But I, I think, first of all, I think Jabari goes number one. I think Chet goes number two. I think Bancaro goes number three. Yeah. Right? Those I, are I, by far the three best players in the draft. And I think Jade yeah. Ivey goes four to somebody. Yeah. Because I don't think the Kings will draft there. But I think when you start looking at the, the, other, the other pool, I don't know that Jade Ivey ever lives up to it because of that hype. But I got to tell you that my other guy in this draft um, is, where's Keegan Murray? There he is right there. The Pistons are said to be drafting Keegan Murray five. That would be amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I think he has a chance. <laughs> I think the Pistons, now, I mean, they got to trade Jeremy Grant. But as soon as they make that deal, I think they become a much better team. Because you need to go, and this is what I say about the Houston Rockets, and I know everybody says I'm crazy about the Rockets. Hey, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. I'm telling you the Rockets are doing this the right way. The Rockets are young, and they are suffering through their youth, which is exactly what Golden State did, yep. which is exactly what the Suns did with, with, with Book. Yeah. Like, if I, if I am the Houston Rockets, that's what I would be doing. The Detroit Pistons have Cade. They have talent. I'm telling you, get a haul for Jeremy Grant, and if you can get Keegan Murray – 
I mean, I, I think he is. Sky's the limit. 6'8", 220. Yeah, it's, I mean, so you see what I mean? So it's like, you know, would you rather have 6'8", 220, or would you rather have, you know, 7'195"? I think right now in today's league, you want 6'8", 220. I think you do, 100%. But I just think that the thing about Chet Holmgren that I like versus a couple of these other options is I just think that that his ability at his height is just so rare, bro. Like, it is so rare. If there's even a 1% chance that dude can get to 205, 210 pounds inside of that frame, you got a problem on your hands, dude. He is going to be a problem. And that's why I say I think he's worth the risk. I agree with you. There are better options right here today. Bancaro is a better option, in my opinion, for uh, a winning club. Like, if you can trade up and go and pick him up, great. I think he's a great option. I think Jabari, great option. These are all guys that are going to be contributors right now today. But I think when we talk about most upside, most of like, hey, I'm here, but I want to get there, that's Chet Holmgren. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with Chet. I think he is a fascinating prospect. Yeah. The one thing I will say, and I hope we don't do it, and well, too late. We try to build guys up to be, oh, he's the next Kevin Durant. He's an assassin. I mean, look at the shape and size of his unit. Like, Bro, come on. It's Chet Holmgren. Settle down. Come on. Like, we don't need to be comparing Chet Holmgren to Kevin Durant, <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki. Like, I think we're asking too much of these guys. you got to let them come in and develop. And I think Chet's a really talented player. None of these top five guys are going to – should, frankly – None of these top five guys should struggle to assimilate to the NBA game. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't. But I think our expectations, our expectations are what are going to limit the, the top end for these guys. Yeah. That's my opinion. I, I, I just think that. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's my opinion. Okay, a couple more comments in here because then we got to get rolling to burger joints that are killing you. <laughs> uh, Tanner Plummer says, uh, wow, dang, I haven't heard the bag alert drop in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you know. Bag alert's a good drop. Yeah, dude, it's a really good drop. It is. Uh, TPG says uh, Chet is nowhere near Dirk. I don't know that anybody will be. I'm not saying that the guy is Dirk right now. What I'm saying is that he's not the guy that's going to go up and posterize you. That's not his game. That's not what he's trying to do. He did that, yes, coming up, but that's because he was bigger than everybody else. When you're talking about the NBA game, I'm talking about a guy that, that really should translate to a lethal mid-range player, like someone who's just going to shoot over you, uh, and he needs to develop his his post game. Like that's why I think that the Dirk comparison is there. Uh, interesting question, Havoc says. In your opinion, who has the biggest potential to become a top twenty player of all time? Well, Ben Carroll or Chet Holmgren? Yeah. Um, I mean, their their upsides. I, I mean, Keegan's Keegan's a nice player too. Like let's, but I think. You know, and frankly, I think Keegan Murray could have been the best player in college basketball last year. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people would agree with me on that. Probably not many. But when you talk about, like, all-time great talent, I don't even know that you can pass the name Chet Holmgren. I mean, he, he's a guy that, if you believe the hype and the skill set, I mean, when, I mean, you would have to go with Chet. I mean, uh, yeah, I think, again, it's all about development. I mean, it's all about, uh, again, yes. you can't – there's no price you can put on a player's willingness to work in the summer. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And Chet has clearly shown his desire to work, but, like, Again, when you get that money, when you get, you know, $40 million or whatever the hell he's going to get for being the second overall pick, like, you know, that changes you, obviously. That's going to change you. So we'll, we'll see. Well, Nicholas Stalzer, I hope I'm saying that right, says, Chet is garbage. He averaged 14 points a game. KD averaged 28 his freshman year. 
Right, know. and I'm not saying he is Kevin Durant. That's not what I said. So you need to listen to what I'm saying. Actually, listen to what I'm saying. Damn it, you casual. I'm saying that, hey, his game is similar. <laughs> There's a lot of flashes of these guys. Uh, like, hey, tall, wiry frame, can shoot over anybody, clearly has great touch for his jumper, should really translate to a, a lethal mid-range player. And I, and I would agree there's comparisons. I think KD was a KD far more developed KD is more athletic. Player. KD is more explosive. KD has a better shot than, than Chet has. Like I'm not saying that Chet is as, as good as Kevin Durant was. I clearly said he wasn't. Like, clearly. <laughs> Kenny says, so what you're saying is Chet is KD. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm not at all. I'm not saying that. Oh, uh, yeah, you are. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Um, Hullabilly says Chet is not garbage. No, he's not garbage at all. At all. Uh, oh, good news. Good news. Everybody ready? Uh, ben Gomez says Jesus Christ loves all of you. Not Jake. He doesn't because Jesus Christ doesn't is in Chet responsible. And we all know that Chet's not KD because Jake just said he's not KD. Jesus Christ loves Chet Holmgren. Well. You know. Okay. Kenny says got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't really. We're getting somewhere. Yeah, We're I'm not really somewhere. sure what we just talked about, but okay, yeah. Does right, Jesus cool. play basketball? He does. He's everybody. Is it Jesus? Wait, I didn't know we had a lot of Mexican players in the league. Wow. Okay, here we go. Where's is is the Italian? Is it George or Jorge? <laughs> is it Jesus or Jesus? It is what it is. Uh, Havoc says, I think... Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Monty piping in from heaven. Uh, Havoc says, in. I think judging a top prospect without playing a single game in the NBA isn't fair. Who's going 13th this year? We need another Donovan Mitchell. It <laughs> could be, um, could be, you know, Jorge versus George is apparently a big topic of conversation. Here we go. All right. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Monty Show. M-O-N-T-Y. The Monty Show. Now, can we talk about the topic that everybody cares about right which burger joint is killing people oh, okay yeah sure uh-huh because this is a problem right this is a problem friends um yeah. so you know on this show and i know this is shocking i know it's it controversial is controversial and shocking that on this show we talk a lot about food right yeah we talk a lot about food right you know uh, you know, it's a. I have a gland issue. It makes me gain weight. You have a gland issue. It's, it's genetics and right. stuff. I, what? No. Anyway, we love burgers on this show. Right. We don't eat many burgers, but when we do, we right. all know we go to Five Guys. Right. He's an assassin. But then there's this story, Jake. Yeah. That says that there are burger chains and one famous burger chain. Four burger chains with the most food quality complaints. Okay. Most food quality complaints. Very simple here. First one, White Castle. Oh. Is the, see, and White Castle is legendary, friends. White Castle, oh, for those of our Phoenix, Arizona listeners, you, you've got multiple beautiful White Castle establishments. But doesn't it say that White Castle is killing people or making them yes, sick? Yes, it causes And eating. we should clarify this. They're not killing people. These are the top but restaurants... And burger joints that make people sick when you eat them. Yeah, most food complaints. Top, top, top food complaints. So the quote from the article is, uh, eating food from White Castle can result in food poisoning. The restaurant chain recalled frozen sandwiches in uh, 2019. Uh, Listeria is the most commonly reported diagnosis from White Castle, and diarrhea and nausea are the most commonly it's, reported it, symptoms. It's not good. 
Yeah. It's not it's, it's not it's good. a problem, bro. It is an absolute problem. And and again, you know you're not getting good quality food. You know that. But Dude, that it's, doesn't it's mean White it's White Castle. It's the sliders. It's like ten sliders in five minutes. Like mm. that's what you that's what you do. That said, Jack in the Box is still better. As a kid, one of my favorite things to do was go to the Chicago Cub game, and you could mm-hmm. walk by. There's a White Castle down the street. You know, from Wrigley Field It's about a mile away. Right. You would get off the train, go to the White Castle, get a sack of burgers, and while you're walking to Wrigley. You eat the white castle. Because it's all part of the plan. And then you go watch a day of Cubs baseball. And to me, I don't know. I love white. Are you a white castle? Guy? I think that you know white castle is one of those things that I had never had before. We lived in Scottsdale. I had it, and I was like, eh, it was good, but not great. Like with Jack, I'm like, yes, oh, I'm dude, ready, bro, dude. I white know. castle is good. I, it's not bad. I mean, outside of the fact it gives you diarrhea, but we won't talk about that. It, the, I, who hasn't had really? a, What? Who hasn't, who whoa. hasn't had... Whoa. Hey, look whoa. at this, Monty. Whoa. Very whoa. focused in. I, whoa. Hi. <laughs> well, if you're going to shove 10 tiny hamburgers down, you're yes. going to barf anyways. So... No, you're not. <laughs> Be a man. No, you're not. What? See, this is the problem with... <sighs> Are you offended? No, you're not. I can eat a whole sack of White Castles and not even feel a thing. When was the last time this happened? When was uh, the last time you ate a whole sack of White Castles? Well, what it was... It, it, let me let tell, tell you what that. now. Uh, it mm-hmm. was back in Scottsdale with the late great Napa Mike. Yep. When we went to the grand opening of uh, yeah, White right Castle. Yeah, right off the 101 at Pima. And they yeah. have a beautiful, like, double double lane drive through. I didn't like, smell amazing. any listeria at the White Castle. Yeah. When we were in Scottsdale. And I got to tell you, I snatched up that bag like it was nobody's business. See, like, wow. I, I snatched. Wow. Wow, yeah. you, you, you snatched up the yeah. bag. Like, I, snatched, you know. I snatched up the bag. <laughs> it was a major bag alert. It was a major. Right. See, see, <laughs> it was a, okay, fine. Be a jerk. Number two on the list. Sonic. Oh, Sonic the shit. I mean, the uh, the hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic is not. Sonic's food is amazing. So Sonic had, I lived in sh- suburban Chicago, and right. there were plenty of Sonics in the northern suburbs. And Sonic is terrible. So the, the complaints are that that um, they recorded the popcorn chicken as dry and under-seasoned, and the french fries were reported for their soggy and unappetizing flavor. They also said uh, a, a, a former Sonic employee said the chicken was often kept outside of the fridge for several hours. Uh, this is cause for concern, especially since the FDA states raw chicken has to be stored in the fridge at 40, 40 degrees, yeah, blah, X, blah, blah, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. And then the other thing was that one of the one of the claims is that the ice cream comes in bags marked 10% real ice cream. <laughs> so it's not even like real. And what you do you, know. you, and you get milkshakes at Sonic. Yeah. You so get that's, like, well, that's their big thing. It's like the, me? the mega size. You know, and their and their ice cream and milkshakes are only ten percent. Are you serious? Apparently, yeah. This, this is all wrong. Look at this the look on Mrs. Monty's face. Yeah, like, I mean, she's, oh. she's not amused okay, right now. Soggy fries, first off, with a bad taste. Yes, wrong, all wrong. And then top that off with like one of their giant, super sugary, whatever flavored drinks. Yes. Oh. That's what we call greatness. And some dry nuggets. Yeah. Oh, hey, baby. Are we clear on that? Oh. Who, do, who don't want to have some dry nuggets? I'm going to. 
Oh. I got some dry nuggets oh. for you. Number oh. three on the list? No. Wow. I, I don't even. Number what? three on the list. See, this is a problem. Burger King. Oh, okay. What's the complaint the, at Burger the, King? The, the So the complaint at Burger King. Oh. Let's see. I got to find it real quick. Uh, so the biggest complaint with Burger King is that their food is sloppy. And I have to tell you, I agree. Every time I go to Burger King, I always wind up feeling like, damn, this burger is just a mess. Like, it's falling all over the but place. But there's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Carl's Jr. made a living on if it's not all over your face, it's you're not in the place or whatever. You're in the wrong the, stuff. The, the complaint yeah. from right. consumers is that they, they, they were sold moldy Whoppers. Oh! Customers to crave the burger less. It was pretty, quote, it was oh pretty gross. God. I appreciate oh no God. artificial stuff, but it was not appetizing. Oh my, they, so so the complaint is they sold moldy Whoppers? Yeah, that, that, I, that was the complaint. They felt like there was mold on it. I, I'm kind of confused. There's so much preservatives in their food. But Was it the bun that was moldy? Maybe the cheese be. was moldy. No, oh, come on. Moldy cheese? They don't, you know, t- they, don't, they don't specify in no. the yeah, it, Moldy anyway. Whoppers? Oh, come on. Mm. And That's then everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite, Dairy Queen. Oh my God! Dairy Queen is, oh. is next on the on the uh, on the complaint, and basically the complaint said that they the consumer was complaining about sandwiches, saying that the cheese was lackluster and that the beef was like really dry and like very. You know, oh, like there, there's only one reason Come why on. you go to Dairy yeah, Queen. Yeah, you don't go for burgers at Dairy yeah, Queen. Like, Can we please, just get on the same page? Don't eat with that? there like it's a restaurant. You get blizzards or ice cream. Oh, that is yeah, the only reason why you go yeah, to Dairy but, Queen. Uh, but I've gone to Dairy Queen. Have we ever had? When's the last time we ate at Dairy Queen? Dairy Queen's got good fries. Okay, though. I'm going to say like eight. Last time we ate at Dairy Queen? Never. 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 But the last time that uh, that we had any kind of a Dairy Queen item, yeah, Phoenix. Phoenix. It had to be Phoenix. No, God Almighty. You know, that's disgusting. Like, so there come you go. On. The four worst chains. Now I will say though, the mm. Impossible Whopper is pretty flaming good. Like it is. See what he did? They're pretty flaming good because it's a burger and, and you know, it's char, flaming to you, flame you broil. Know, fr- yeah. The yeah. the Impossible Whopper is really good. Like, I, I enjoy it. I, I, we probably have, Mrs. Monty and I probably yeah. have, yeah, we probably have a, a an Impossible Whopper a month. Yeah. And no, nah, I mean, not a month. Okay. But, like, maybe maybe once or twice a quarter. Where are we at on JCWs? Because this is a more localized one. Where are we oh at boy. on JCWs? Uh, oh, boy. So, for my, um, for my Utah people, where are you at with JCWs? I don't know. I don't. I, I like JCW's food a lot. The problem with the JCW's in South Jordan is that it's forty-five minutes. I mean, right. like, and this is the main. This is the main thing. I really like the burger, the fries. I, I, Mrs. Monty, didn't we have like onion rings or last time we went there? Like the food was not. It's fine. I was disappointed they did not have um, the veggie patty anymore, and they didn't have an impossible. They were like completely out of. You know, an alternative burger. So, so what is our go? I, I mean, obviously the go-to is Five Guys. Not even close. Five Guys all day, right? I, I mean, I fries, think burger. The the, whole one, thing. the 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 one thing we're not talking about, or the one restaurant we're not talking about, is Wendy's. Because yeah. I actually think Wendy's. I don't know if Five Guys, and I know we've talked about this a million times. Five Guys is not fast food. No. Okay, Five Guys Different is level. 
is a is a cut above Chamama. Like it's you know, like Don't it's feel me? it's not McDonald's it really? or oh yes, yes. yes, yeah, it is. You don't think it is? No, it just doesn't have a drive-through. That's just not their model. No, I think it's higher. If you quality. put a drive-through on there, it'd be just the same as the rest. Well, the quality would go down. I feel like I agree. I I think Five Guys is a cut above. But when we're talking about like purely wrap it in foil and go straight to your arteries, okay, Five Guys qualifies. But when we're talking about like, hey, damn, that's a good burger. Yeah, Five Guys is on a different level. Yeah, but the Dave's Double. Dave's Double's good, bro. There's nothing wrong with a Dave's Double. Yeah, and again, fast food French fries. It depends. It's five guys. Yeah, five guys has five the best But has the, the best fries. You see what I mean? No, five, five guys has the best fries. total Definitely. package. Yeah. Great yes. burger. Great fries. Yes. Their shape yes. game is strong, too. Yes. Even though we don't indulge that much. Like, you know. Yes. Yeah. No doubt about it. Like, but the Dave's Double is good, but the fries suck. I'm not a Wendy's I'm not fry a Wendy's guy. fry guy. But I'm not a Burger King fry guy either, though. Yeah. Now, when Jack in the Box opens here. I'm not here, a big Burger King guy overall, bro. I'm not a big fan of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know how you'd stay so hard on the on the Jack train. Because, it's incredible, dude. I love it. The ultimate cheeseburger, it's fire. Like you're know. not, you're not. What are the comments saying? What are we getting in the comment section? All right, let's get the uh, let's get the comment section in here and say uh, your comment interaction rate um, has exploded with this new layout. Very cool and professional. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate that. Um, let's see. Hullabilly says JCW's is all right. AB's used to be my go-to. ABs. What's ABs? Is that Arby's? Astro no. Burger? Oh, oh, Astro Burger. Astro Burger. But see, here's no. the problem. Here's he some... said used to. Let's let's yeah. line that out. He said used to. Comment again. Used not anymore. To. Used to. I, I would agree with not anymore. We, we mm-hmm. just went to Astro Burger. It was not good. Um, let's see. Crown Burger is always good. Holabilly says yes. Yeah. Um, EST Gaming Pro says Five Guys is good. Bang for buck, the best burger is Culver's. Okay, see that's fair. Bang, bang five for guys buck is super expensive. That's true. Bang for buck. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, well, see, here's an interesting one. Uh, Louis Capazzo says Habit is bomb. Now, nah. I think mm. I've had Habit mm. Burger once. Ton of it, we added a ton in the Bay Area. Not a fan. I think I had it one time in Walnut Creek. Yeah, right when we lived there. Now we had it more did, than Mrs. once. Mrs. Monty, did you ever eat it? Habit Burger? I think a couple of times, maybe. Because there was the but, one that was in downtown like, Walnut Creek that yeah. we would go to. Oh, Cam Harrison nails it. The Big H hires Big H. Okay, hands down. Get patty melt. You can get a patty melt with actually a like Notice plant-based burger. Oh, but yeah, like a but a real <laughs> milkshake though. Yeah, and a, oh, a malt. Let's let's talk a malt. But what do you think of their onion rings? Onion rings are fabulous. Damn, hires is we amazing. Get some gift cards from from hires. Dude, I'm telling show, you, bro. I'm telling you, hires is yeah. Uh, Holabilly says uh, it was called ABs, not Astro. I never heard of oh, ABs. I've never heard. No, of I ABs. don't know. Yeah, yeah. that's different. Um, let's see. Uh, Louis Capazzo says Jack in the Box tacos are tasty. Hell yeah, 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 they are. Unless you're Mrs. Monty, and then you don't. But you like the mini tacos. The mini taco box. You know, it would definitely be something I would eat if I was still out at two a.m. And having like last week, like you were last week in Seattle. What you you drunkard? Um, (laughs) What Uh, Tanner Plummer says? My wife wants to know what you guys think of uh, Jack in the Box. Hey guys, it's the best. It's by far the best fast food in my opinion. I don't think ultimate cheeseburger. Um, what is wrong with you it, two? We have taste. That's what's ultimate wrong with cheeseburger, us. two tacos, L- and a large. Why fry. are you so disgusted by Jack in the Box? 
It's it is not high quality. There's not, no like quality there. You said best yeah. fast food. It's tasty, man. It's okay, good. But that's a fair point. What defines best? When I say best fast food, I'm talking about the one I like the most, not quality. Like okay, that's a well, fair that's question. Different. That's different because that's you fair. might want to mac on a disgusting, you know. So if we're greasy. talking best quality, then it has to be Five Guys, right? Like best overall quality has to be Five Guys. Is that what we're saying? I, for fries, yeah. Well, but I, I'm going for quality. When I say when I say best, I'm going for quality. And I really, although I don't know, hires hires would hires probably is be a good poll, man. A, a patty melt. If you can get a good patty melt, you want the cheese but, that's oozing. You want the grilled onions, like that taste wrapped <laughs> up in the paper with the malts and some onion rings. Thank you. <coughs> I think I made everyone salivate. <laughs> Why are you so passionate about it? But hold on. Is Hire's Big H fast food? Because I don't think that's fast food, bro. Yeah, it is. What do you mean? Yeah. That's not a drive-thru. That's a drive-up and sit. That's not a drive-thru. I, I don't know. How do you define fast food? It does. It, it has a... a the, yeah. the But I now, now, the Hire's that's in West Jordan, is that what it is? There's one... The Cottonwood yes, one yes, is obviously the yes, best, yes, right? Yes, but then, the original, yes. But then there's one that's closer to us, and that one has a true drive-through. You drive up to the window. It's not the, um, oh my gosh, they car hop. The car hop. They, they have, have three hop. of them. Downtown Salt Lake, apparently, somewhere over Haven't there. Haven't been what? to that one. Yeah, there's one at, at 700 East and 425 South. You've Hello. got you've got the one uh, in Cottonwood, the, the Midvale one, yeah. and then you've got West Valley City. I think the I think the one in Cottonwood's the the bomb digger. Well, the the but here's my thing over there. The vibes over there are just so good. For whatever reason, I I love it over there. I love living in Daybreak, but I miss Sandy. Yeah, I miss living in Sandy. I miss my house. My wife made me sell my house. She <laughs> oh forced my me. god! That is not <laughs> she had true. a gun to my head. She not forced true. me. No. You know, but He's it's an fine. Assassin. Yeah. Uh, best. A uh, couple more here. Then we got to get to your favorite companies in the world. What do you guys think of Crown Burger? Top five? Question mark. Brit's never been to Crown Burger. I think Crown Burger Burger. French fries are amazing. Crown Burger French fries are flipping amazing. Chick-fil-A for fries. Chick-fil-A for nothing. Chick-fil-A, it it turns out their wrappers are killing people. But other than that, their food's great. (laughs) Chick-fil-A for MSG. Um, John Jackson says, best quality cheap fast food is Wendy's. See, JJ, that's why you're a legend on this show. I would agree with that. Tanner says, better question. What's wrong with you, Mrs. Monty? That's what I'm (gasps) saying. Like, like what? uh, I mean... What? But you're all just moist over flipping higher big H. Did like you you're, just say moist? You're you get excited. <laughs> Tell me that you don't want a patty melt with the oh. nice want is not the word. Bread. Just so you can go to Pound Town. The grilled onions. Go to Pound Town. You do, yeah. See, there, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Cooper Creek in West Valley, best burger in Utah. I don't think Cooper they've Creek. ever cleaned their grill. You taste the ghost of burgers past my face. One round left says, love the impossible. We do, too. All right. Um, can, we, can we do, because we're running out of time here. Yes. We, we, we got to finish up. I yes. want to do this chip chip thing, MSG. Oh, yeah, thing. yeah. Okay, we'll finish with oh, that. Yeah, let's man. finish with that. Okay, so what are they, Don Julio chips? Yeah, what yeah. kind of chips are they? The Don, the Don Julio's? The Don that's Julio's. That's like one of our favorite yes, chips, dude. Right. Yes, Yeah, that's why this was oh, all ruined. Wow. So we got a bag of Don Julio's, and we were the eating them. The lightly flavored. The lightly seasoned. seasoned. Yeah, right. That's our favorite on. one. 
And the thing that flagged me was a chip fell on the ground. Our dog ate it and totally got sick. Not Fire instantly, but after a few, you know, a little bit of time, all of a sudden he's doing the whole like, oh, I got to barf. He belched in a way I've never heard our dog belch before. Uh, and then yesterday I sat down and I was like, I want some chips. And I thought, what is in these chips that made our dog so sick? And I started reading through the ingredients. Besides the fact that it's like canola oil, MSG. Those Why are numbers of death. MSG in these chips? Like, what the hell? It's brutal, bro. Fat Jesus says, check yourself, Tanner. Nothing wrong with Mrs. Monty. <laughs> Thank you. Fat Jesus is a fan. I knew it. I fun. knew it. You know, Fat just Jesus. Take it is, nice and easy. You know. okay, just relax. I don't know a woman that Fat Jesus isn't a fan of. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really disappointed. These Don Julio lightly seasoned chips are by far my favorite. And now yeah. I'll never eat them again. You can't do it, dude. Can't do it. Yeah. And my, mind you, Rhino, our dog, ate one chip that one. was dropped. One. Yeah. And he threw up everywhere. And that's what made you look at the ingredients. Yeah. It's incredibly it's gnarly, disappointing. Bro. It yeah. is incredibly. It clearly really upset his stomach. And it was the belch that was so weird. Like, our dog doesn't bite burp. Yeah. But he was, like, struggling, and it clearly <laughs> had made him, like, you know, James gassy. Knight wants to know if we added the vomit cam for the dogs. Oh, we should. <laughs> it would have to be a little remote. We have to kind of follow him around, though, to yeah. get the right, you know. Hullabilly says, I love me some MSG. <sighs> there you go. Can't All do right, it, that's dude. it. Show's Can't over. Can't do it, bro. No. That's it. Mrs. Monty, good to see you, Wade. Congratulations on your on-camera debut. Mrs. Monty makes the show today. Yes. It's amazing. It is amazing what technology can do for the show when yes. you have remote control robotic cameras yeah. now in your, in your studio so you can whip one around and see Mrs. Monty. There you go. Good to see you. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. By the way, we are giving away a PlayStation 5 at 5,000 subscribers on this channel. If you're here right now, please do give us a thumbs up. It really helps the channel grow. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.